If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. The physics of music are endlessly fascinating. The study of fluid dynamics, of how sound travels through air. You could teach an entire physics course using nothing but music. When you and I were in elementary school, we didn't necessarily see classical music as fun. In fact, we didn't see it as relating to our lives. The Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra is changing that. LACO, as they're called for short, have now released a free on-demand virtual concert for fourth to sixth graders. Entitled Meet the Music, this program challenges the students' creativity in some new and interactive ways. And Meet the Music is just one aspect of Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra's LACO at Home digital program, which is geared towards personalizing the music and making it accessible to everyone. Ben Kedwallader is Executive Director of the Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra. Ben joined LACO in March of 2020, and in his past work, he has taken some highly creative approaches to introducing new listeners to classical music. Previously, Ben served as Education Programs Manager of Los Angeles Philharmonic, and more recently as Executive Director of Vermont Symphony Orchestra. Ben, before we get talking about all the cool stuff you're doing with LACO at Home Meet the Music, I would love to know what first inspired you to become an innovator who thinks outside the box with chamber music and is making it accessible and who is also creating educational innovations that do that. Wow, that's, we could spend the whole time talking about that. There have been so many things that inspire me and that propel me, I, I hope, forward. And I guess the place to start with that would be Specifically, when we're talking about education, for me, it's very personal. My own journey with music education and the impact that, in particular, live concert music, classical music, has had on me as a young person, as a young adult. I wanted to, basically, when I graduated high school, I knew that music needed to be part of my life. It was like it was like my religion, <laughs> and I needed to share that with as many people as possible. I felt like I had a, and still feel like I have a responsibility to bring as many people as possible to the table and share this wonderful benefit that I have so enjoyed in my life and continue to enjoy to share, I have a responsibility to share that with as many people as I possibly can. So for me, it's, it started with experiences perhaps not quite as wonderful and transformative as, as Meet the Music, but very similar. And that was where the seed was really planted for me, was with the incredible music education I received when I was a kiddo. Before we leave this, who or what specifically stands out in your mind from your own music education that you're going to be using today with Meet the Music? So... My, the conductor of my youth orchestra, which I started in sixth grade and continued through high school, this is a man named Troy Peters, and he is now the music director of the youth orchestras of San Antonio. And he was, of course, a key mentor and leader for me when I was in the youth orchestra, but he continued and continues to this day to be an incredible mentor for me. And I actually worked my first kind of real job in the arts world 
was with him working in San Antonio with the youth orchestras of San Antonio. So I think Troy Peters, for me, stands out head and shoulders above the rest in terms of his impact on me personally and professionally in my approach to this work. With all your background, working with youth, education, your successful tenure with the Vermont Symphony Orchestra and the L.A. Philharmonic, you still could not have predicted the circumstances you have right now. Wow. How have your plans changed since accepting the position as executive director for getting chamber music out there to people and specifically to students? Yeah, well, it's, I'm an optimist. It's baked into my, the very core of my being. I'm an optimist. And I think the most interesting work and the most inspiring innovators that I've had the privilege to work with are equal parts optimists and pragmatists. And so that's what I try to be. And, and when we approach this incredible time, it's unprecedented time. Like you said, there's no way to prepare for something like this. This, for me, is really where optimism is important. And not optimism in the rose-colored glasses sense of, oh, everything's going to be fine. We'll go back to normal. We just have to ride out the storm. But more optimism in the sense of how can we look at what we are facing right now and what is the good that can come out of this? And in the case of specifically music education, we have here in Los Angeles 800,000 school children and more who are at home. And we have tens of thousands of teachers who are seeking ways to engage those students, to give those students high-quality learning opportunities. And so there is a tremendous opportunity there and a tremendous, what we have found, a real hunger for arts education. And this is where Meet the Music this is where Meet the Music comes in. We have, because as a direct result of this pandemic, we have been able to reach students in their homes in more kind of personal and engaging ways than we have been able to do under, quote-unquote, normal circumstances. And so we're taking that same kind of thinking and applying it now to our next season of chamber music, where we, of course, had previously announced, as with every other orchestra, every other performing arts organization, we'd announced a season that we were very excited about, which is now not going to be possible in its original form. So we're looking at this and thinking, okay, we have essentially a captive audience at home, everyone who has an internet connection. So what is the best possible way for us to meaningfully, authentically connect with those people in a digital way that is, that's native to this digital platform? What can we do that's not just necessarily streaming a concert, but how can we, how can we take full advantage of this kind of brave new world in which we find ourselves? That's the kind of optimistic, creative problem solving that we're really, really interested in. These are the, the thorny, technical, nuanced challenges that don't always have an immediately obvious answer that don't have a right answer, but that are really fun to chew on and experiment with. And I'm happy to say that what we saw with Meet the Music at the beginning of this week and and is now available streaming on demand at Laco at Home, that was a real home run. That was a real success. We were able to engage with a wonderful group 
of students in a directly personal way that was enduring. And we also got to connect with teachers, too, and provide them with content as they serve their students. So we're off to a great start. For anybody that hasn't yet seen your, I believe the date is April 28th video, which, by the way, is amazing. How would you describe what Lakeham at Home Meet the Music is doing right now? Well, so Meet the Music, as you'll see in this, in the program, it's not didactic. It's not a lecture format. It's not, you know, funneling kids into a hall and then playing a concert and then the kids leave. There are a couple different layers of interaction and of, again, making it, making the experience personal to the students. There's a component, as you can see in the video, where the musicians of LACO actually perform pieces that were composed by students in the audience. So there are pieces on the program that LACO performs that are going to be familiar to those students. Both, you know, one of the pieces was from the Pierre Gint Suite, Morning Mood, which is a piece that's, you might not know it by its title, but if you heard it, oh yeah, that's the piece. I've heard that in, you know, movies and, and you know, all over the place. So there are pieces like that, but then there's also this layer of our composer teaching artists have been in classrooms working with students on composing these pieces, and then they get to hear them performed in a professional setting by LACO musicians. That's a level of connection and interaction that is not typically achieved by a more conventional, almost lecture format approach. So that's something that is really important in Meet the Music specifically, and then also writ large in the best music education, the best education generally, at least that I've ever seen or, or been a part of. So that's, that's really important to us. I love what your composer does. He comes on stage barefoot and he explains why. I'm not going to ruin it. And he finds, yep. <laughs> he finds connections that I don't think I would have found with pop culture. What's the creative process like when you come up with stuff like that? Well, so you're talking about Derek Spiva, and Derek Spiva Jr. is LACO's artist educator. And he kind of, you know, in the same way that our artistic director, Jaime Martin, is the artistic visionary, he, you know, Jaime determines the artistic direction of the organization as well as specific programs. Derek Spiva Jr. accomplishes the same thing for our educational programming. So, when he is dreaming up what he wants to do with Amit the Music, I think it, he thinks similarly to what I was talking about earlier, this idea that we want what we do to feel completely approachable from the student perspective. And you saw that in his demeanor and, as you said, the fact that he even just walks out on stage in casual clothes, barefoot, and then kind of makes a self-deprecating joke about it. And then also that it needs to be it needs to be personal. It needs to feel personal. The, music, the, the, the students should look up on stage and see themselves reflected in visual ways and in, in terms of the program. It should feel familiar and less like they are observers watching something magical and mystical unfold before them. It needs to feel like they are active participants in it. And Derek is able to accomplish that. He's an incredible educator, as you saw. Derek is able to accomplish that in, in really beautiful, beautiful ways. And the, the other component that is so important that often doesn't get highlighted enough is the role that the classroom teachers have. And Derek, 
I had the good fortune when I was with the LA Phil to to work with Derek on a number of different programs and curricula over the years. And Derek really understands fundamentally that if you do not have the more than just the buy-in, uh, the active participation of the classroom teachers, there's a ceiling to how much you're going to get done. The teachers really are the ones who determine how the students are going to be engaging in this work. And whatever we offer, whether it's a music or an in-school curriculum, it has to be in lockstep with those incredible women and men who teach our young people day in and day out. And that's something that Derek understands from top to bottom. Let's tempt those incredible teachers who are listening right now. What are you going to be doing in the coming weeks with Meet the Music that they are not going to want to miss when they log on? (laughs) Well, I think there are a couple things. The way that we're thinking about Meet the Music going forward is actually... We're still in the brainstorming phase right now. This is all this is all new for us and for all of us. There are still a lot of unknowns. But one of the things that was really special with we did a live broadcast of Meet the Music this past Monday. And one of the big surprises, wonderful surprises for us was we did it via a webinar. And there's a chat function in the webinar platform and we were imagining that that chat function would be used so that if a question came up, students could type the question in or have their teacher type the question in, and then we would kind of answer it. At, we would collect those questions and answer it at the end. But what ended up happening was the students started conversing with one another. It became almost like a, a group chat, a group messaging session. And when someone in the video would talk about, you know, they, they're reading, they love to read, or they love to dance or to sing. We were having a Q&A about what are we doing during quarantine. You would see this explosion, this flurry of comments, oh, I love to read, or I don't like to read, or dancing is my favorite. Um, this group, this really, I had never seen, none of us expected this group of elementary students to be so active chatting back and forth with one another in this platform. It was really beautiful. So to your question about what's coming up next, we don't have another Meet the Music like the one that's up right now in the can, ready to go, ready to release. But I would say when we look to the fall, when we look to supporting teachers and students in whatever capacity the fall is going to look like, whether students go back to school right away or whether there's staggered starts, We are going to be lockstep in partnership with our partner teachers with whom, some of whom we've had relationships with for years and years and years, and continuing to support them. And it will appear with our online platform, Let Go at Home. We don't want this to be a kind of a one-off response to the coronavirus. We want, it's important that Let Go at Home remain a digital resource both for audience members and for teachers for the foreseeable future. Let's make sure I have that link right for them to reference. I have laco.org forward slash laco at home, L-A-C-O. That's right. I would love to apply what you said about making the music personal to other aspects of teaching and learning at home, STEAM, science, technology, engineering, art, and math specifically. It's very tempting to think of music as art, but what are some of the ways, perhaps using music, that you could get other principles taught, like science, like math? 
Yeah. Well, this is something, this speaks to the importance, again, of partnership with teachers, of not just coming up with what we think is a really engaging and interesting curriculum and then delivering it to teachers and, and to students. That has a ceiling. And what you're describing is much more enduring, much more personal, much more interesting, both, I think, from the student perspective and from the teacher perspective. So when we develop a curricula, you know, one of the things with music, there are a lot of music and physics. The physics of music are endlessly fascinating. The study of fluid dynamics, of how sound travels through air. This, I mean, you could teach an entire physics course using nothing but music. So what we try to do is get the broader perspective of what else is being taught in the classroom during the time that we're going to be there. Are we learning about literature? Are we learning about history? Well, if we're learning about this specific time in history, let's look at what was going on with music history at that time and, and develop a corollary between those. Oh, we're learning, about, we're learning about physics. Well, why does a cello sound lower than a violin? Why does a flute sound lower than a piccolo? There are myriad ways to explore that. And when you get teachers who are teaching the STEM part of STEAM, <laughs> when you get them engaged in thinking about arts education as a tool to teach their specific subjects, it fundamentally changes the conversation. And so that's something that I would encourage whenever I have the opportunity to speak with educators outside of the arts, I encourage them to think of the arts more broadly than just, oh, it's a nice thing that we are able to offer our kids so that they can have some beauty and some joy in their lives. Yes, those are fundamental components to what we offer as well. But from an educational standpoint, you can also think of the arts as a really powerful tool to teach these other subjects and to reinforce the topics that are being taught and the other letters in STEAM education. It's extremely important. Let's even throw in a little mini lesson in physics. Why does a cello sound lower than a violin? <laughs> well, if Derek were on this call, I'm sure he could give a much better answer than I, but because the string is longer and the resonant chamber inside the cello is larger, there's more air that's displaced, there's more movement than there is on a smaller string, a smaller resonating body. Just like if you, you know, if you blow across the top of a little Coke bottle versus a larger wine bottle, it's going to make a lower pitch with the larger instrument because there's more that's moving there, there's more that's vibrating as opposed to with a smaller instrument, a smaller resonating body. That would be my stab at that response, but I'm not the expert educator that you probably are used to interviewing. <laughs> well, it certainly is something I didn't know before, and I think that'll be very interesting for anybody listening. I think that's a really fun explanation, actually. <laughs> Good. What about the kids that go, eh, math, but they love music? Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really good... So. I mean, there are a lot, you cannot be, well, I would start by saying that the greatest musicians that I've ever had the good pleasure of working with are often extremely well-rounded individuals. In other words, they know much more about the world than just how to play the cello really, really well. 
You know, Yo-Yo Ma has a degree in chemistry from Harvard. I think that's right. There are, I would start with something like that, that just because you love playing music more than you love, you know, algebra, don't necessarily think of these things as mutually exclusive. And then I would also make the strong case that the deeper your knowledge in other areas besides just this one specific discipline, and this applies to music and anything, anything, you want to be an engineer, you should pay attention to art in the same way. The more you know about other areas in education and in, in society and culture, the stronger it will make your music making. If you have a clear understanding, for example, of what's on the, you know, what's on the Billboard Top 40, just because you don't like listening to pop music, that doesn't mean you shouldn't know what people are listening to. You should have a clear understanding of, of the larger environment in which you're functioning, in which you're operating. You should know more about math than you think you need to know, and it will make you a better musician. And there's some direct correlations there, of course, with things like fractions, actually. Time signatures, particularly in, in music written in the last 150 or so years, you do need to have a fairly extensive knowledge of fractions and understanding how, how math is used to divide up and understand time in music. So I really, this is not a mutually exclusive proposition. You are either a good math student or you are a good art student. The better you are at playing the oboe, you will be a better oboe player if you have a better understanding of math and vice versa. They really do enhance each other. And it seems like you would manage to make that fun with what you're doing. Right. What has been most fun for you so far since you have taken over as executive director of LACO? What have you really loved? Well, so I started, just for context, I started on March 9th. That was my first day in the office. And then my last day in the office was the following Monday. <laughs> that was when we closed the office for the foreseeable future. And we've been working remotely. We've been working from home ever since. And initially, I was, I'll admit, a little depressed about that because one of the great joys for me in this arts community and in this city is getting to know the people, getting to know the musicians, getting to know the employees, people like Derek Spiva, getting to know the classroom teachers who are the ones who actually make this work possible. And I was depressed because I wouldn't be able to do that in the way that I had originally intended. But I think the thing that gives me the most inspiration and that I have found the most fulfilling and fun, to use your word, at this point, is the extent to which people have really stepped up in this new digital landscape. And I think the video that you saw that's up now on Lake at Home is a small window into that. The example I gave of the students chatting with each other, it's things like that that really kind of when I'm feeling depressed about the world or fearful about the many, many unknowns that we all still have, I lean on moments like that. I think about the students in that chat room back and forth with each other. They're not thinking, oh, this is so sad. You know, I'm stuck here at home. I can't go to school. I can't see my friends. I'm cooped up. They are in this moment using this tool that is available to them 
and making meaningful connections, both in this case to the music that Laco musicians and educators are creating, and then also with their friends. And I really, I think that is a microcosm of the way that the community has embraced this incredible digital landscape. So again, going back to optimism, where optimism meets pragmatism, that actually ends up being a really fun puzzle to solve, not a problem that has to be addressed or that has to be dealt with, but more a puzzle, a challenge for us together to work through. And the partners that we have in working that through are just as optimistic, engaged, and excited as we are. So it's things like that that really inspire me and propel this work forward. As we go forward here, we are going to get through this pandemic. What are you most looking forward to doing with LACO once this ends and we're back? How are you going to be bringing chamber music out of the exclusive hall that it's traditionally been in and more to the people as you did before? Well, I think this pandemic is forcing a conversation within classical music that we have for a long, long time been dancing around. And you just articulated it very well in terms of how do we bring it outside of these hallowed concert halls and more in a more direct, in a more personal way. And so, of course, I'm looking forward to the time when we can again sit side by side and experience this incredible art together. Of course, that's something I'm looking forward to. But more than that, perhaps, I wish I could just get a glimpse into the future and see. I truly believe that we, as an industry, as an art form, that this will change us for the better, that we will come out of this stronger, more relevant, more connected than ever before. And I don't yet know what that's going to look like from a specific technical way. I would love to be able to glimpse into the future and see what that looks like. But so, I mean, this, this weird place where... I'm looking forward to something that I don't fully understand. I don't fully see what it is yet. But I do know that we will come out of this better and stronger. And I think we can take a lesson from the success of Meet the Music. What would an experience that is that personal, that is that connected with those students, what would an experience like that look like for a chamber music audience of, you know, 1,500 people? How could we take the lessons we've learned from what we've done in adapting Meet the Music digitally and apply it in a larger way to other offerings that LACO has throughout the season? Next year, we have the opportunity to try some things out, to experiment in this way that we otherwise probably wouldn't be able to do. So I'm looking forward to the experimentation. I'm looking forward to the the learning that comes with the learning that comes with failure sometimes. And then I'm also looking forward to what we're going to look like when we come out on the other side. That's going to be a beautiful thing to experience and to be part of. In the past, you've said that failure is not the opposite of success. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Giving up is the opposite of success. Failure, I see failure as and success as inextricably linked. Failure is the gateway to success. I believe that with every fiber of my being. What's one really good creative experience you've had that might have been called a failure, but it wasn't, that didn't succeed, but was not a failure? (laughs) Yeah, well, we 
before this, I worked in Vermont. I was the executive director of the Vermont Symphony Orchestra. And we were experimenting with ways we wanted to bring an entirely new category of music lover to the table in a way that was all the things we're talking about, personal, engaging, exciting, innovative, different. And we came up with this, what we thought was a brilliant idea, to commission a composer and commission a chef. And together they would work, they would make this incredible, unique, multi-course opportunity. And indeed they did. They pulled it off. The event sold out. It was a deliberately smaller crowd. But so... From that, from that metric, it was a success. However, the reason, in hindsight, it was not a success, that was, in fact, a failure, is because the people who attended were not necessarily new audience members. The price point was way too high, and it didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. It didn't bring us a whole new category of audience. It was financially limiting, so it, it didn't accomplish what we wanted to. But what we learned from it, was, okay, we didn't like the price point. It was our, our existing audience. And so out of that, again, in retrospect, out of that failure was born a series, which is called Jukebox, which is a flexible pay model. Concerts are, you know, an hour and a half long, and it is hosted by the musicians. It feels like you're just in your living room. It's held at a bar. So that is an example of something that didn't, accomplish what we wanted it to. It was a failure. But without that failure, the VSO would not have this series called Jukebox, which for three years in a row, after it was launched, for three years in a row, sold out concert after concert after concert, and was one of the most profitable things that the organization did and brought in over the years thousands of new audience members who otherwise wouldn't have come. So, But we wouldn't have gotten there without that first failure. And so that really is the key component. We cannot be averse to failure. We have to embrace it with open arms and learn as much as we can from it along the way. I love how that evolved creatively. How can people best support you as you're going forward with LACO? Well, I think two things. First, people are really smart, (laughs) generally. And we want to hear from, we want to hear from you. We want to know what would you like to see? What are the experiences that you've had that stick out in your mind as being particularly remarkable, memorable, special, personal? Please give us your ideas. We want to hear from you in that way. And then I would also say, I think patience and open-mindedness, particularly for folks who are accustomed to experiencing art in very specific ways, in specific and historic ways. I think part of the the example that I just gave with Vermont, we were very deliberate in how we communicated the experimental component to our funders and to our board and to our more traditional audience members. And I think another reason that we were able to be successful is because people kept an open mind. They gave us the leash and the benefit of the doubt to experiment and initially to fail and then learn from that as opposed to, you know, snapping shut the, you know, research and development as soon as there's a whiff of failure, there was much more open-mindedness both from internal constituents and also from audience members. So that's really important in this new space. And then, of course, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say organizations like LACO are able to exist, are able to experiment and innovate thanks to financial contributions. These are fully tax-deductible contributions, and so we 
we also rely on the generosity of individuals. So if, when people like what we're doing or like the path that we're taking, we will often see people, it's almost like an investment. Like, hey, you're on to something here. Do more of this, and here's some seed money to make that happen. So that is another key component as we move forward into this unknown period. And I trust that if people would like to get in touch with you, would like to give you an idea, this was really special in my life, or if they have the wherewithal they'd really like to support LACO, they can find out how on the website we gave you for it, LACO.org. That's right. It's all at LACO.org, including, including my email address, the email addresses for the staff. Again, we would love to hear from anyone who's got a great idea, would like to see LACO evolve in a, in a certain way. We are all ears. And finally, Ben, as we wrap up here, if people could only get one thing from you and from what you're doing with LACO and LACO at Home Meet the Music about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you like them to take away from you? <laughs> I, think, I think perhaps a sense of optimism, that beauty, music, art, that at the end of the day, we want people to feel more connected. And that is what music does I think, I'm biased, I know, but I think more than any other medium, music is the best of us and the worst of us, all wrapped into one incredible, relatable package. And I think during this time, we need optimism more than anything else. And that should be our chief export, is optimism and joy as we move forward into this, even as we are in a period with a lot of unknowns, That should be our true north. Ben, thank you for your time today. Thank you. I really appreciate your time as well. And if you have any other questions, you know how to reach me. You and I have been listening to Ben Cadwallader, Executive Director of Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra. You'll find LACO's fun and relatable educational concert, Meet the Music, on LACO.org. There's specific links along when it's LACO.org forward slash events. Then you're going to type in forward slash LACO at home meet the music, but put a dash between each word. Meanwhile, on LACO's webpage, check out their LACO at home series, which includes the InFocus digital concert available on demand, and their weekly Jaime at home series with LACO's new music director, Jaime Martin. And as Ben suggested, if you have new ideas for their programming and presentation of their music, based on the most special things that have happened in your life, Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra would love to hear from you. Feel free to contact them through their website, LACO, that's L-A-C-O dot org, LACO dot org. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X, twomavericks.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at Pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.